I want to go on from Friday night. If you weren't here Friday night, um, you need to get the tape. Um, if we do what? If we? And? We? And that means healed. Uh, in the Greek, uh, the word is translated healed mostly. Uh, people don't like to do it. And that comes from where? Romans 10. And we talked about the fact that a lot of Christians uh, basically don't understand. Someone can come in from the world, walk into a church, and get a miracle, but he comes on a different basis from a Christian. Uh, Jesus Christ healed the multitude. And a lot of talk, as I said, is over uh, healing over a period of time and healing, you know, over a, with prayer and fasting, which is totally unbiblical. Um, in the Greek, um, when it says, you know, speaking of demons, this type cometh not out by prayer and fasting. It doesn't actually say fasting in the Greek at all. It was added in... 250 AD when someone couldn't work out why it was that everyone wasn't healed uh, and miracles slowly stopped happening in the early church but in the first 200 years after Christ was risen uh, tremendous miracles and then suddenly um, in Carthage as we mentioned there was um, uh, a plague that went through and they had to explain away why Christians were as badly affected as non-Christians and you then got the hellish doctrine that came in that God doesn't want to heal everyone and that has pervaded the church for years and of course the translations and the Greek translations got perverted and they added things about prayer and fasting and they took people away from the truth Healing is in the atonement. What Jesus did on Calvary is sufficient to meet every man's need, body, soul, and spirit. And so we need to come back to the truths as it was in the first church. And we are the first church. That is what we are. Because there is only one church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. And the truths that Christ taught are our truths. Nothing more, nothing less. And I want to talk now about who Jesus is. Uh, it's important to know. And a lot of people have a very narrow view of Jesus Christ. And I'm talking of Christians now. That is why um, people get themselves in such bother. And so I want to start in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. Turn there. Matthew 28. We're going to turn over the pages of the book. Good authorized version.
And you remember the story in Matthew 28. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And you remember the angel appeared in verse 5, and the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear you not, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before thee into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy. Uh, Jesus was risen. When he was crucified, he was risen. The first thing I say to every Christian, it's most important, is he's risen from the dead. Christ rose in bodily form. Let me say that there's a lot of Christians that uh, have weird ideas. Lots of Christians. Some Christians believe, well, he just rose in spirit. He didn't. He rose in bodily form. He's risen from the dead. And here come two women looking, and the angel says, I know you seek Jesus. He's not here. He's risen. Okay, you've all got that. He's alive. This Jesus we're talking about, first thing I want you to know, he's alive. The man, Christ Jesus, is alive. He lives. Amen? Hello? Do understand, it's so important to understand it. You might not know where I'm going to at the moment, but you'll see why. It's so important to know the man is risen. Uh, there's a lot of things that go on in Christians' minds. A lot of people have some silly ideas. I meet Christians who tell me that they believe, you know, well, when it talks in Genesis about um, God created heaven and earth in six days and on the seventh, you know, he rested uh, and, you know, man was created... Uh, I meet a lot of Christians who turn around to me and say, oh, well, it's seven periods of time. It could have been millions of years. Well, you're a fool if you believe that. Because Adam didn't take four or five million years, and you didn't come from a jellyfish. And you didn't evolve from some monkey. You really didn't. Don't ever let the lie of the devil get into your mind or into your heart. If you believe that, you can't be a Christian. Because if sin didn't come in by one, one cannot atone. That's Romans. And don't ever believe any lie of the devil. We did not evolve from monkeys. God created man. That is the word of God. That is what I believe. But our God is a good God. And Jesus is risen. The angel said he's not here. He's risen. 
You go on in John's Gospel, chapter 20. John 20. I'm always amazed by how gullible people are. They believe nonsense that people talk. Scientists say, oh, you know. It was a big bang sometime, a long time ago, and it's all chance. So absurd. In John 20, you'll find Mary, verse 11, Mary stood without the sepulchre, weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked in and sees two angels in white, sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where... The body of Jesus had lain, and they say unto woman, Why weepest thou? She said, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. He's risen. Two angels, one in the place where his head was, one where his feet were, Hey, Mary, he's risen. And when she turns round, there's Jesus. She thought he was a gardener. It's interesting, because the first Adam was told to keep the garden, and the second Adam, Jesus Christ, when he's risen, she looks and supposes him to be the gardener. Very significant. And he says, look, don't touch me. I haven't ascended. Go and tell the brethren, I haven't yet ascended to my father and your father. Suddenly he's saying, hey, we're one family. Before he said, God is my father. Now he's saying, he's my father and your father. God is our father. And suddenly relationship is changing. It's no longer, I'm the son of God. God's my Father. What I hear the Father say, that's what I say. What I see the Father do, that's what I do. But now, he's saying, tell the disciples, he's my Father and your Father. There's a new birth reality coming in where we become children of God. Is that clear? Right from the day of resurrection, that's the message. My father and your father. So do understand that the greatest revelation any man can have is to realize. Verse 17, Jesus said, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father. And to my God and your God. To not know God as your father 
as I've said many times, is to say you're not a Christian. Because every Christian who's full of the Holy Ghost, the first thing the Holy Ghost does when he comes into a heart is he brings a knowledge that God is my Father. If that doesn't happen, you are not baptized in the Holy Ghost, you're not born again, and you're not in the family of God. There's a total realization of the fatherhood of God the moment God really meets you and his spirit comes within. There's a cry of Abba Father. There's a realization of who you belong to. And here is Jesus at his resurrection telling Mary, go and tell him, my father and your father, my God your God. In other words, we've become one, one family, one blood. And that is so important to understand. Hebrews chapter 9. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 9. And you find there in verse 11, But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither of the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Jesus Christ, by his blood, obtained eternal redemption for us. And he is our high priest. We don't need any other priest. We don't need any other. Jesus Christ has become our high priest. And he entered into the Holy of Holies in heaven by his own blood, he didn't need any other sacrifice, he was perfect. He was the Lamb of God without blemish. He entered into the Holy of Holies. And Jesus Christ is the only high priest I need. There's only one offering for sin, it's the blood of Jesus Christ. He offered it once forever. And it's over. And you have to understand when you meet Jesus... He's your high priest. Don't ever believe that you need to go through another. There's only one way to God, through Jesus Christ. You can't come to God by any other. And in Hebrews chapter 2, you'll find it in verse 17. Hebrews 2. Wherefore, in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful, what? High priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. 
For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren. In every way Jesus was like you and me. He was human. He was man. In every way. He was like you and me. There's one big difference. He was without sin. He was born of the Virgin Mary, the seed of woman, but he was also the seed of God. And the truth is, when you're born again, you receive both the seed of God as you receive the seed of humanity into your life and into your heart. And it's talking of brethren here. It's not talking of man, it's talking of brethren. And he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. Look, priestly office is always pertaining to God, not pertaining to man. Uh, the priests ministered to God. They didn't minister to men. The high priest, when he came and he took the offerings that were given, the offerings were never to minister to the people. They were always to minister to God priesthood was always Godward. And there's only one high priest, there's only one who shed his blood for your sin and my sin. His name is Jesus. And he entered in for us that we might have redemption. We're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that redeems us. It's not our works, it's not what we do, it's not what we are, it's what Jesus did for us. He shed his precious blood for us 2,000 years ago. He is our high priest. Is that clear? Don't ever get the idea that, um, you know, a lot of people like to believe that somehow uh, they can minister uh, to people in such a way and they want ministries. But true ministry, priestly ministries to God. That's why it worries me sometimes when I see people come in. We're made priests and kings unto our God. Not unto man, unto God. Praise is unto him. Tell you a secret. If you walk into this meeting and you just stand there when everyone else starts to praise and you don't enter in, all you do is rob yourself. If you stand there and you're a passive observer waiting for something to happen to you, you rob yourself because your calling is to really minister to God. Priests minister to him. It's pertaining to God. We've come to praise and magnify his name. We've come with a purpose. And praise is an absolute necessity of any true priest. Anyone who really loves God praises him. When you fall in love, what do you do with the one you love? You turn to her, you look adoringly at her. You say, your eyes are like the moon. Your hair is beautiful. Oh, in the sunlight, you know, it glistens. You know, you, you say stupid things, don't you? Huh? When you're first in love, you, no, no, 
None of you know what I, you know, where's the romance gone out of life? Uh, but there is a sense you fall in love and you express your love by praise, don't you? No? Huh? You spend hours talking about nothing to the one you love. And she looks adoringly at you and says truths like, you're the most handsome man in the world. And you men are suckered enough to believe it. Not realizing that she has a white stick she walks with. <laughs> Tell me out the way. Love is blind, isn't it? Huh? I sometimes look at couples that get married and I think, what do they see in each other? It's a mystery, isn't it? Huh? Absolute. What does God see in you? It's a mystery. Love is a mystery. Can't explain love. It's irrational. Totally. You can't explain it. Goodness me. Uh, the priesthood. Why a person who's a normal human being can suddenly get saved and fall in love with Jesus Christ and the rational becomes irrational. The normal becomes abnormal. Suddenly, he's not the person he was born. He belongs to another. Suddenly, his insides are transformed by the power of the living God and he's alive to God and his whole being bathes in Christ Praise springs out of their hearts. It's a natural thing. And if that doesn't happen to you and doesn't get maintained in your life, you're not living a Christian life. If you don't know the joy of God, the excitement of God, something's gone wrong with you. Way wrong. You're just a religious humbug. It's wonderful to know the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Uh, and that's part of it. And you're a priest to God. And it's all ministry to God. And that's part of just being a normal Christian. Romans chapter 4. It talks about Abraham who staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And speaking of Jesus, verse 24, But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, that righteousness, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, that's for our sins, and was raised again for our justification. When Jesus rose from the dead, it made clear to all creation that in his resurrection, 
sin and the sin question and the disease question was dealt with forever. He was raised for my justification, and if you want to put it another way, it's just as if I never sinned. Justification. When Christ rose, he rose to show us sin question dealt with forever. Disease question dealt with forever. That's the truth. And as I said on Friday, one of the curses of the church is that they have learnt to compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ because they can't explain everything. For instance, I can't explain why lots of sick people come, some are healed and some are not. I have no explanation. But I equally have no explanation as to why many come in and don't get saved, and some do. Salvation's the same, the cross is the same, the atonement's the same. Billy Graham reckoned that of those that came out for salvation, some 5% received a real experience of God. And when they did surveys, they find that it was, of those that responded, it was only 5% that had maintained anything after two years. Now why? The truths were the same, they heard the same message, I don't know. And in the same way with healing, you can preach the truths of God and just because everyone doesn't get healed does not alter the truth of God. Don't ever try and explain it. Tell people, hey, does everyone get saved when the preacher preaches? No. Does everyone get healed? No. But that will not stop me proclaiming the healing power of Jesus Christ. It will not stop me letting everyone know that Jesus saves, Jesus heals. He came to restore us body, soul, and spirit. Amen? We don't have to be defensive. Let me ask you a question. When people go to the hospital, does everyone come out well? Well, do they? Well, why don't we close all the hospitals? That's an absurd thought, isn't it? Does medicine have the answer for everyone? Well, does it? Well, why don't we get rid of medicine? Because it's unsuccessful. If you look at the percentage of people that are failures, hey, they fail totally with everyone because everyone dies in the end, don't they? Hey, if you go get someone to go to hospital and he's got a disease and, and he's kind of treated and six months later he dies of something else, do they charge the hospital with negligence and carelessness? No, they accept that death comes to everyone. But you get someone to come to a Christian church and get healed of one thing and die of another and they accuse you that the healing wasn't true. Hello? No rational logic in it. Just they don't want to believe in a divine being. They don't want to acknowledge God. He's alive. 
is real. We have a gospel of good news and we need not to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? Is that plain? See, people get defensive. Oh, well, you know, I can't explain something. Well, you can't explain a mystery. Don't try. You go to a medical man and say, why does cancer appear? They don't know. A doctor doesn't know why one gets sick and another doesn't. Why is it? You can see some people in a family get a disease, others don't. Who knows? Why is it some people can pick up a bug from anywhere and other people leave it alone? Why is it? I don't know. It's just, it happens. Why is it some people are tall and handsome, like me, and other people are short, fat, and not so handsome? Why is it? I don't know. I just thank God I'm tall until I come to a building with low ceilings and then I wish I was shorter. Why is it? Some people have blue eyes and some people have brown eyes. I don't know. Why is it some people are musical and other people lack? Why is it some people are skillful with their hands and can make anything and some people can't make anything except a mess? I mean, we're all different, aren't we? Thank God for it. Turn the person next to you and say, I'm glad I'm not like you. <laughs> I'm me. See? But it's amazing when you come to miracle power how they want to challenge it in an irrational way and Christians don't recognize what they're doing. They become defensive. Don't have to be defensive. God is God. I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's true. It'll work for you. I can't explain to you why the truth of salvation will quicken to some people's hearts and other people never get saved. I don't know. Same with healing. One thing I do know, I thank God for those that get saved. I thank God for those that get healed. Hmm? God wants to prosper everyone. Why is it some Christians, everything they touch goes well? Doesn't mean they're better Christians than the next person. It just means that it goes well. And other people who seem equally as faithful, everything they touch goes sour. And yet God said he'll prosper the work of our hands. Well, I don't have any explanation. I've stopped trying to explain things. Long ago I learned, God called me to preach the gospel and that's it. It's his responsibility. Okay? Um, let me tell you, you amateur psychologists and you amateur um, theologians who seem to have an answer for everything, shame on you. Grow up. 
Don't have to have an answer, you just have to believe what the book says. That's what I do. I'm a believer. Um, Acts chapter 4. Let's go on. Acts chapter 4. I want you to notice this, Acts chapter 4. All right, verse 12, what does it say? Neither is there salvation in any other name. For there is none other name under heaven given among men where we must be saved. And you start in verse 10. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Hey, what does that tell you about Muhammad? What does it tell you about Buddha? What does it, it tells you there's only one way to God, Jesus Christ. Now look, you can't become multi-faith and you can't become accepting of any other way if you're a Christian you know there's no other name under heaven given among men where you can get saved by the name of Jesus that is what the Christian teaching is that is the truth there has only ever been one Jesus the Son of God God himself who shed his blood to deal with our sin. There is no other ever born who did it. Muhammad did not shed his blood for your sin. Buddha did not die and redeem you from your sin. There's only one. His name is Jesus. And that's the only name given whereby you can be saved. Don't ever let anyone tell you there are many ways to God. There's one. One God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One. Now man doesn't like that. He wants to make it, you know, you know we can have different ways. It's all the same. We're all equal. Well, we're not. No such thing as equality. We're all different. We're all different, we've all got different abilities, we've all got different skills, and make no mistake about it, you don't have equal opportunity with everyone else. There are skills you have, and there are skills you lack, and the ones you lack naturally, you cannot do anything about. There's natural endowments. You can develop what you have, God-given, from birth, you can develop your, your attributes, 
But I'm telling you something, if you're, a, if you're just some old plodder who's no good, not got a musical ear, to try and learn the violin is going to destroy everyone's eardrums. <laughs> you will sound like a cat stuck on a hot tin roof uh, when you play the violin. Why? Because you haven't got the ability to do it. There are some people who can play it beautifully, and there are other people that get on it. There's uh, people who can play musical instruments. You listen to them and they've got no life. People can take a microphone and sing. They might sing in tune. They might have a good voice. But there are people that can communicate life and there are people that can sing. A big difference. Isn't there? And I want to tell you, there is only one way to God. Not only is he our Savior, you'll find in Hebrews chapter 8. And it, it says in verse 1, Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. That means this is the total. We have such an high priest, which is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. Amen. His name is Jesus, high priest. All right? Now you go down and you look in verse... You can read this when you get home, the whole chapter. But in verse 6, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he's a mediator of a better covenant, which is established upon better promises. Now, he's not only my high priest, he's not only my saviour, but he's my mediator between me and God the Father. And he's dealing with better promises than the old high priests, the Jewish priests. They All they did, they took the blood into the Holy of Holies and once a year we could be forgiven for our sins. Now this Jesus, by his own blood, entered a new and living way and my sins, which were, are forever forgiven and it's better promises, better hope, better covenant, Hey, and he's the mediator of it. He mediates for me. I can always come to God through him. 1 Timothy, turn with me to 1 Timothy. And chapter 2. 1 Timothy 2. There's only one way to get saved, through Jesus. Well, look at this in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus 
who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. There is one God and one mediator between God and men. One mediator between God and men. Only one. Christ Jesus. Don't ever believe that you can come to God through Mary. She's dead. They say Mary, the mother of God. She wasn't the mother of God. She was the mother of Jesus Christ, the man. But she wasn't the mother of God because if she were the mother of God, that would make her greater than God. She didn't pre-exist. Jesus did. Is that plain? And here we have only one mediator. Saints, they can't help you. They're dead. Don't believe there's some saint who can help you. St. Christopher isn't going to keep you safe in your car. Driving more carefully will keep you safe. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter, chapter 7. Back to Hebrews chapter 7. He's a mediator of a better covenant based on better promises. These promises are true. Okay, Hebrews chapter 7. Verse 24, but this man, because he continueth ever, that means he's always alive, he's eternal, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Jesus has an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He's our interceder as well. Jesus Christ is living in heaven. He's not only the mediator whereby you can come to God the Father through him and there's no way to come to God through him, but he ever lives to make intercession for you and for me. He's got an unchangeable priesthood. He's always interceding on our behalf. Simon needed someone to intercede on his behalf. But unfortunately the policeman was not intercedable the ticket was and that's it you know what I'm saying is you get caught in anything in life you have one who intercedes for you his name is Jesus that's why he's able to save us to the uttermost there's no way anything can happen in your life that God cannot reach you because Jesus is always interceding for you. He's the one who goes to Father on your behalf to intercede. All right? He's able to save you to the uttermost because he ever lives to make intercession. Only Jesus does this. No other person. Mary is not an intercessor. The saints are not intercessors. There's only one. Only one way to God through Jesus Christ. Only one intercessor. Only one high priest. Only one who lives forever. 
His name is Jesus. All right? Is that plain? Got to get it into your hearts and into your minds. Philippians 4. Philippians chapter 4. Because Jesus ever lives to make intercession, you'll find in Philippians 4, you can say this, verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm extracted both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Paul was saying, look, experience of life has taught me that it doesn't matter whether I abound or I'm in want, I can do all things. I can be more than a conqueror through Christ. And that is because Jesus is saving us to the uttermost. Doesn't matter what utter necessity we're in, we have an intercessor who's always interceding on our behalf to God the Father. Isn't that wonderful? So circumstances don't rule you. What rules you is your faith in Christ who's able to save you to the uttermost. Amen? Only one, only one intercessor. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 6 says this, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He is the one who cares for you. In every situation, God cares. You can cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Don't ever believe he doesn't. He cares about every detail of your life. So we have a high priest, we have a saviour, we have a mediator, we have an intercessor, we have a, a carer. He cares for us in everything. And he's a wonderful God, but he's also 1 John, 1 John 1. You'll find, if we confess our sins in verse 9, he is faithful. Not only is a carer, but he's always faithful. And his faithfulness is to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christ is faithful in doing the thing that he promised to do. Not only to cleanse us from all sin, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's a good God, faithful. 
in everything in our lives. Don't ever let anyone tell you that um, guilt should be a part of a Christian life and failure. It is not. God came to give me good success. God came to cause me to triumph. God caused me to live. He forgave me all my sins. And his blood cleanses me from all unrighteousness. He's faithful. And in uh, the second chapter of this epistle, it says this, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now I have not only that, I have a lawyer in heaven who knows how to argue and win every case. And this advocate who comes to God the Father is Jesus Christ, his son. And he's his only son. And when he comes and he pleads on my behalf, I want to tell you, he's always heard. Amen? You've got Jesus always pleading your cause in heaven. Not only is he interceding and praying, but he's also arguing your case because 2,000 years ago he shed his precious blood for you and he is faithful, you are forgiven, he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness and he will appear before the Father ever to plead your cause. He's our advocate. And I think Christians often forget that. They try to come and justify themselves. May I say, he is our justification. Don't try and ever establish your righteousness. It's his righteousness we have. It's imputed to us. He's everything we need. Hebrews, um, let me see. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9. Verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God. What for? For us. Hey, he's now appearing in the presence of God for us. Here we have a high priest who shed his own blood and presented it to God for forgiveness of sins. Here we have an advocate who's pleading our cause. Here we have an intercessor, whoever lives to make intercession. Here we have one who's a saviour who can save us to the uttermost. Here we have one who always cares. Here we have one who's always faithful. Hey, we've got God on our side. I mean, isn't it wonderful? I mean, could you have a better person on your side? You can't fail when you've got God's only Son speaking and appearing for us. 
in heaven. My. I, you know, there's times when, you know, it's glorious when you see what's in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4. Seeing then, I hope you can see this, that we have an high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. That's our confession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses, infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Seeing we have such a high priest. My. I know I can always get help. I can always find grace in time of need. Because I have one who's an advocate, who's a savior, who can save to the uttermost. I have one appearing before God for me. His name is Jesus. I know that there's no other name under heaven whereby you can be saved but the name of Jesus. Hey, everything's working on my behalf. God is on my side. I, I know God is my father. Not only do I know that, but I have a high priest ever living to make intercession for me who can save me to the uttermost. I have someone who can plead my cause any day, any moment. He's there living as my advocate. He is my high priest that appears before God the Father on my behalf all the time. I have someone who's faithful, who will always forgive me. I have someone who cares, so I can cast everything upon him. Well, what else do I need? Well, you tell me, what else do I need? Romans chapter 8. I just wanted to tell you who Jesus was. Just in case you have forgotten. Right, Romans chapter 8. I want you all to stand up. Hold your Bible. Hold your Bible at readable level. Romans chapter 8. Now look. You've heard what I've said. With the mouth, confession is made into salvation. Amen? Amen. Well, what about verse 31? Read it out. 
Isn't that the conclusion? What am I going to say about these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Hey, I've got an intercessor, I've got a saviour, I've got an advocate. I've got a faithful one. I've got one who cares for me. I've got a high priest. I've got someone who ever appears before God for me. What can I say about these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? Amen. Disease can't be, sin can't be, the devil can't be. I've got God on my side. Shake off all the things if God be for me. Hey, circumstances bow to this. Disease bows to this. The lies of the devil bow to this. If God be for me, who can be against me? Look at verse 37, Romans 8. Nay, what? Huh, how, how come you're more than conquerors? You're more than conquerors through him who loves us. If God be for us, who can be against us? We're more than conquerors through him who loves us. What about verse 33 then? Who? Who justifies? God. It's a just as if you'd never sinned in your life. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I, I mean, to me. Well, verse 31. What shall we? Do you believe the Bible's true? Yes. Do you believe what I said's true? Yes. Do you believe he's your intercessor? Yes. Do you believe he's your high priest? Yes. Do you believe he's your saviour who can save you to the uttermost? Yes. Do you believe he's your deliverer? Yes. Do you believe he's faithful? Yes. Do you believe he ever appears before God for us? Yes. Do you believe he's entered into heaven ever to be a priest for us? Yes. Do you believe he shed his precious blood for us? Yes. Do you believe if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive the same? Yes. Do you believe he really can save to the uttermost? Yes. Then what problem have you got? Do you believe he cares for you? Yes. Then cast all your cares upon him. Our God is a great and mighty God. We are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? Amen? Glory to God. Isn't that true? Yes. You know, the devil is a liar. He's a father of lies. He tries to tear you down. And I want to tell you today, there's one who wants to lift you up. His name is Jesus. And he's on our side. And if God be for us, who's this devil who thinks he's against us? Poor devil, he's in trouble. Why? I've got the God of glory on my side. Hmm? Yes. Hello? Yes. Put your hand on your chest. 
Say this. No. No. Put your hand down. Put your hand on your chest. I want to make sure you're alive. Say, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. Through Christ. Through Christ. He's my high priest. He's my high priest. He's my savior. He's my savior. He's my lord. He's my lord. He's faithful for me. He's faithful for me. He's my advocate. He's my advocate. He pleads my cause. He pleads my cause. He's my intercessor. He's my intercessor. He ever lives to make intercession for me. He ever lives to make intercession for me. He's my savior. He saves me to the uttermost. In every area of my life. He's wonderful. He's mighty. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. He's my Savior. He's wonderful. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? My. I mean, what trouble can you have? Cast all your cares upon him. Why? For he careth for you. What a God we have. What a God we serve. Amen? Amen. <laughs> his name is Jesus. Cool. There's no other way into heaven but by him. No other name under heaven whereby man can be saved but the name Jesus. What a God we serve. Amen? Amen.